There are a variety of anchors, yet they all carry a certain function, to keep things securely in place. When I was little and I watched my dad build our garage in the backyard, I remember seeing him place bolts uh, in the concrete around the perimeter of that slab. It is how you tie the building to the concrete, he said to me. It's a way to anchor the building to a secure foundation. We might think of an anchor more so from a boat or a ship. If you've ever been on a naval ship, like a retired ship or something from World War II, uh, with the anchor up or the chains to the anchor easily seen and touched, you recognize the enormity of the anchor's function. It holds that great ship in place. In a similar way, Christians have an anchor, an anchor of the soul. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. So the sermon today is called Lessons from Hebrews, Anchor for the Soul. And the three points are proper anchor, maintain anchor, and use the anchor. So the first point, proper anchor. Now, I am not an expert on all things dealing with anchors. I do not hold that degree. However, I think there is a reason why certain anchors are used with different vessels. Would a small fishing boat's anchor be sufficient for a large naval vessel? Well, no. It is important to choose the right anchor for the right job. In a similar way, would you use just any kind of anchor for your Christian security? Would you choose the appropriate teachings of Christ or some other teaching about salvation? There is one reason why the Hebrew writer begins to teach about Jesus being the high priest. He wants people to know where true security, salvation, and blessings come from. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hebrews 4, 14. Is there any other means to reach God? No, it is by Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that we can draw near to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Not the priesthood under the old law. In everything, we must remember Christ is superior. The word anchor carries other meanings. Sophocles said, children are the anchors that hold a mother to life. Did you ever hear a mom say, I can't go, my kids are too young? Yeah. Arnold Glasgow said, don't part company with your ideals. They are anchors in a storm. And of course, the great philosopher Jay Leno said, do you know what White House correspondents call actors who pose as reporters? Anchors. So Jesus is not a physical anchor. 
but a spiritual anchor and an anchor to God, salvation, and understanding. And his priesthood is not like the priesthood under the old covenant, but like that of the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 10. That's a challenging word, isn't it, Christian? You did a good effort at it in Scripture reading this morning. So who is Jesus? Is he just a man or a mythical person? No, Jesus is God's Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 1, verses 2 through 3. And now Hebrews brings up another aspect of Christ. He is the high priest of the true faith. In fact, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Hebrews 5, verse 9. He is the proper anchor. The second point. Maintain anchor. In this world, I believe everything needs maintained. Like the commercial anchor seen on the PowerPoint in back of me. Seriously, it would be a terrible thing to go into a storm and not be able to count on the anchor. Depending on the various metals used, precautions and maintenance must be continued. Thankfully, there are those who inspect and there are those who maintain these things. Their work creates a great amount of safety and we need those people. In one respect, Christ and his teaching are our anchor. Christ, as the anchor, will never need maintenance. He never needs adjusted. He never needs fixed. His anchor will always hold. He is perfect. He is everlasting. He will never succumb to corruption. However, can a Christian's anchor, that is his part to God, belief and trust, can his anchor in Christ lose its strength? The Hebrew writer brings up a couple of comparisons in this context concerning lack of maintaining our faith. He uses uh, two neat subjects. One's listening and the other is farming. And all of us here are familiar with both. Listening, he says this in Hebrews 5.11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. They're having a listening issue. Becoming dull of hearing is not the fault of God. It is the fault of a lazy student, and that's another way you can in translate dull, lazy, a lazy student. The laziness is compared in that context to milk drinkers and people who eat solid food. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
Hebrews 4, 5, 14. So he brings up the idea that it's, it's important for us to continue our listening appropriately and don't go into a lazy aspect of our life in Christ for it can affect how we hold on, our maintenance. Farming is also brought up. How many farmers love nice rain? Well, I haven't heard one who hates it at all, whether it's nice or not. They love the rain. Having cultivated their fields, fertilized and planted, only to have thorns and thistles grow up in its place uh, instead of what was planted. That would be a horrible experience. Those who have fallen away from Christ did not maintain their anchor. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it produces a crop useful for those who, whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. This is in Hebrews 6, 7 through 8. That's part of the example he's trying to teach us about how important it is to maintain our connection to God. For we don't want to be the thorns and thistles to be burned and destroyed. Then he goes into the idea of the Christians that he's speaking to are beloved people. Yeah, he's sharing some difficult challenges, but he loves them. They're beloved. They're followers of Christ. Are you beloved of God? Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. Are you beloved of God? Do you understand the things that belong to salvation? Do you serve the saints? Are you going to hold on to the hope until the end? Are you going to be imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. So the beloved who do the things of God also need to maintain their faith in God and press on in the truth. So the third point, use the anchor. God's promise. If God made a promise, will you believe it? If I made a promise, you know, you might have to get a contract out. But if God made a promise, would you believe it? This is what Abraham was faced with. He believed it and waited and waited and waited continuing to believe, but he continually waited. Even until his old age to receive it. He was given a son through Sarah and his name was Isaac. This promise and its following fulfillment happened when it was no longer in man's physical power anymore. Abraham and Sarah were old and she was infertile. But by the power of God, God's promises were fulfilled. If God made you a promise, do you know that God will stand behind it? Absolutely. Why? It's part of his nature. It's who he is. He keeps his promise. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15. But on top of that, he went ahead and presented himself and gave an oath. So if God keeps his promise, why did he make an oath? It may be the same reason why people are asked to take oaths today. 
It is supposed to be something more binding. There's the Hippocratic Oath taken by physicians. I think part of it is to do no harm. When they take that oath, are they very serious? Yeah, they should be anyway. There's the oath of the President of the United States in part to uphold the U.S. Constitution. Should that be taken serious? How about those in the military? Connor, did you join without an oath? No, he took an oath. He took an oath. The oath of citizenship. If you are a person who's not born here, to become a citizen, you need to take an oath. Wedding vows are an oath. Fiduciary oath of a personal advisor. I was going to look over at Justin on that one. Uh, and I'm sure there's quite a few other oaths out there. An oath is a solemn promise about your behavior or your actions. Often, when taking the oath, the promise appeals to the divine being, like God or his holy word. And of course, who did God make an oath? Who did he swear by? Himself. There is no one greater. Can you count on it? Absolutely. Thank God. Here's chapter 6, verse 18. It is impossible for God to lie. So Jesus, the high priest, entered the heavenly tabernacle. Why? To sprinkle his blood and take care of our sins. The sins of those who keep their anchor connected to him. We have this as sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. It is through Jesus and only Jesus that our sins are taken care of. Let's hold on to that anchor of God's truth. You want an anchor of the soul? Here is the explanation of how you get it. And it's a good thing. Hold on to it. As we conclude, I'd like to go over those three points real quickly in the sermon, Lessons from Hebrews, Anchor for the Soul. First, a proper anchor. Let's pick the proper anchor. It's important to pick the proper anchor for the right job. And if you want the job of eternal salvation, you need to pick the right anchor. And the right anchor is Jesus Christ and his teachings. The anchor we need to use to enter heaven is the anchor of Jesus, God's promise and God's oath. But we need to maintain the anchor. However, as strong and as incorruptible as God's anchor is, if we don't maintain it properly with study, talking about our faith and our trust to the anchor, reliance on him and keeping firm on his teachings, we may choose a different anchor rather than the one that truly works. That would be a shame, would it not? So let's use our anchor, the anchor. How do we use it? We trust in God's promises. We trust in God's oaths. Trust in our high priest and the system of faith that he designed and never let it go. Perhaps you're concerned about your anchor. 
Is it truly connected to Jesus Christ? Do you have that hope of salvation based on what he did as our high priest covering our sins? If anybody has any concerns or other prayer requests, come forward this time and as together we stand and sing.